I might need to take a couple water breaks uh, during my preaching today. Um, but as I said, we are on the week of love. And you know what, Lena, go ahead and just put me down just a little bit. Thank you for giving me a little extra volume today. So we are going to be in 1 John chapter 4 for our reading today. But before we go into reading that text, um, you know, many of you know that, that I got two little boys, and one, as much as we love our kids, and we do, uh, their biggest struggle in life, for whatever reason, is around sleeping. It's just around nap time. For whatever reason, we have some stubborn sleepers. And I'm happy to report that Theodore is getting better at his sleeping, but he's always struggled with it. And I remember one particular evening, we were sleeping and we were trying to go to bed and, and we were finally, you know, starting to, to doze off into our sleep and we start to hear the crying from the other room. You know, when you hear that cry, if you're a parent especially, you just hope that it's one little cry and that it ends there. But, of course, the crying gets louder and louder and louder, and then I feel the elbow coming in, reminding me that it's my turn. So I go into the bedroom, and, and sure enough, Theodore is crying, and he's just crying so much and so loud, and I'm trying to help him out, and I'm trying to soothe him, and I'm trying to help him feel a little bit more at ease from everything that he's dealing with. And what's interesting is, is finally I'm able to calm him down, and he's able to stop crying. And at the instant that he stops crying, his head just kind of tilts. And for the first time, he's noticing the music that's playing in his room. You see, we have this music box right next to his bed. And it's playing music, and it plays music all throughout the night in order to soothe him and to calm him and to allow him to know that there is a presence there. But he was crying so loud with so much strength in his lungs that he could not hear the sound coming from the sound box. And you know, I found that interesting because I think we can be kind of similar, right? There can be so much noise turned up in our own lives. There can be so many things that we become distracted by, whether it's the outside voices of this world or the inside voices of our mind, the stress that we have, the anxiety that we have, the things that are going on in our lives that in some ways prevent us from hearing what? God's voice in our lives. His calming, still, small voice. This Christmas season, this Advent time, is in some ways a, an important time of us being able to turn down the volume of life in order to hear God's voice. Amen? Because here's the thing, church, many of us know this already, that even though Advent is a time where we are celebrating 
Christ coming into the world, we are oftentimes so distracted by everything biting for our attention that we could forget the very reason why we are celebrating and living in this season. And I believe more than anything that in this Advent season, God is calling us to remember who he is and that his voice is speaking to us. This is why in Isaiah 7.14, the prophet Isaiah writing hundreds of years before Jesus would ever come on the scene says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We sung that just moments ago today. And if you didn't know, the word Emmanuel means what? God with us. God with us. I love this because when the Lord set into motion, the Lord set into motion Jesus coming into this world, he could have given him any name. He could have given him a name that meant God, the ruler of humanity. He could have given him a name that God, the power of all, over all, God, the great, but rather the Lord in all his wisdom chose to give Jesus a special name, the name of Emmanuel, the name that means God with us. Church, Advent is a time of celebrating this wonderful fact that the Lord comes into our lives to be with us. Amen? Do you see God as Emmanuel in your life? That's a tough question to ask. Do you see God as Emmanuel in your life? Or do you see God as a distant, indifferent person who is uninterested in your circumstance? You see, moments ago we read from 1 John, and I want to continue to read it to you today, and I think it speaks very well to this season that we're going through, and it, 1 John 4, 7 says this, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows who? God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, say this with me, God is love. The author of 1 John is none other than John himself, the disciple. The disciple that, that, that we give this ascription to that Jesus, what? Jesus loved. 
And what's interesting is, is that when John was writing these words, he was writing it most likely to the churches in the region of Ephesus. And those churches at that time were warring with each other, not, not physically warring, but warring more with words. And, and they were dealing with all these disagreements with each other and these feuds with each other that caused them to become divided. Now, I know that doesn't happen in the modern-day church. We all seem to get along, right? We don't need to develop a new denomination every three days. No, but this was their problem at that time. So when John writes these words, he's writing it to a church that in some ways has forgotten the love of God. That the kind of God we serve is the kind of God that enters into this world on a rescue mission to meet us exactly where we're at, to minister to every single one of our needs in our situations in life. You see, this is what the beauty of Advent is about. It's about reminding us of the person of Jesus. You see, God's master plan was to be Emmanuel. If you remember from the book of Genesis, things go bad pretty quickly, right? God creates Adam and Eve and Right after that moment, pretty much, Adam and Eve do what? They fall. They sin against God. But right from that moment, right when they sinned, the Lord hatches a plan in order to come back into this world and restore humanity. And what does he do it after? He does it out of his great love for us. So the Lord, the minute after Adam and Eve fall into sin, God puts in a plan into motion to restore humanity, to bring forth a nation through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to rescue a people through Moses, to begin a kingdom that other nations would know through David, to humble the people and remind them of God's rescuing hand through captivity, and all of this was pushing forward inch by inch, day by day, moment by moment, so that Christ could come into this world and demonstrate his love for us. Church, Advent is the very celebration of God entering into our lives. Advent is the celebration of God making good on his promise. Advent is the celebration of God's love for us. He came into this world because he loved us. It's so easy to forget that. It's so easy, unfortunately, to view church, to view God, to view scriptures, to just view everything that 
the Lord is trying to do and in, in, in teach into this world and to instead think about him as just this mean God with a hammer looking to nail down anybody who disobeys him. But it cannot be further from the truth. God is love. And as we see now in 1 John, he continues in, with this in verse 9. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his own one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, before I read verse 10, what does that what does this verse echo? It echoes that famous verse, other, no other than John 3:16, that God so loved the world, right? That he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So make no mistake, John is echoing these words once more because ultimately there is no other message that trumps this message. There is no bigger truth than this truth, that God loves you. He loves you so much that he comes into this world. And as it continues in verse 10, that this is love. Not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you didn't notice, these verses that John are trying to teach us, really he's trying to help us understand the importance of love by really making an argument. I'll put it on the slide here for you, but as you might have noticed, in verse 8, what does he say? God is love. And then in verse 9, what does he do after that? He says, this is how God showed his love. And then he explains how God shows his love by the fact that he sends Jesus. And that in verse 10, he says what? He reiterates, and this is love. You see, the very definition of love is not necessarily a collection of words, but it's what? A person. Jesus. Jesus is the definition. He is the demonstration. He is love. During this Christmas season, are you taking time to plug into the very person of love? Or are you getting wrapped up in the chaos? Wrapped up in the chaos of maybe what's going on on the news or wrapped up on the chaos of trying to make preparations for, for company that might be coming, or for travel arrangements, or for the chaos of, of your job and everything, that the, the demands that come with that. Are you allowing this Advent season to be a season in your life 
where you get to come closer to the person who is loved. But not just that. Demonstrate that love to others. You know, there's a um, book that I read a few years ago. I, I know many of you know that I, I, I love reading both fiction and nonfiction. And I love certain works of, of classical literature. And a few years ago, I read uh, a book by Oscar Wilde. And some of you may have read this book before. It's called The Picture of Dorian Gray. Have any of you heard it or read it before? Okay, so some of you. I think they've made a few movies since then. It's, it's kind of a, a famous literary work. And um, Oscar Wilde, he lived kind of an interesting, promiscuous life, not, not a noble life by any means. But he wrote a very interesting book in A Picture of Dorian Gray. And what happens in the book is, is rather interesting. There's this young man, youthful man, named Dorian. And now Dorian is a very good-looking, handsome man, kind of the epitome of health and, and wellness and, and what it means to be youthful and vibrant. And this famous painter in the city decides to paint a picture of Dorian. So he goes and he starts painting this picture, and to himself, he feels like this is the greatest painting that he has ever painted in the history of his whole entire life. And a friend comes over and admires this painting with him, both admires the painting and both admires Dorian. And as he's being painted, they realize, everybody realizes, that in this moment, this picture that is being captured in this time of Dorian's life probably embodies the height of his youthfulness. That really every day after this moment, Dorian's going to get a little bit older, maybe a little bit more weathered a little wrinklier, that every single moment after this moment, life will start leaning more towards death than it does towards youth. And a wish is made in that moment that how great it would be that instead of my face aging, Dorian thinks, that instead this painting would age and that this painting would hold on to all the age and that I would be able to remain youthful and young in, in this moment of life. And what's interesting in the story is exactly that happens. Dorian remains youthful in all his appearance and the painting takes on all his age, but not just his age, the painting takes on his sin. Because you see, Dorian wasn't a good person. He was a selfish person, a greedy person, and even a murderous person. And on one particular day when Dorian decides to do a very evil act that gets somebody killed, he looks at his painting, and in looking at his painting, he notices that his smile, which looks youthful and bright, starts to take on a menacing, evil smile. 
Well, as the story would have it, decades would go by and Dorian would continue to look as youthful as ever until one moment comes where Dorian looks at his picture that is hiding in a room. And the picture looks as grim, as decayed, as decrepit as ever. The picture is vile and repulsive to look at. And it looks like an aged person that has lived a terrible life. And as fate would have it, a knife is put through the picture. And in that instant, the picture goes back to its youthfulness. And instead, Dorian's image is finally revealed. Why do I share this story to you? Well, I think each and every single one of us in some ways wishes that we can have a picture that bears the mark of our lives, right? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to allow, to have a picture hanging in a room that takes on our sin, that takes on our old age and allows us to live in the prime of our youth? problem is, is that like Dorian, we might try to hide our sin onto something else, but ultimately the sin of who we are has a way of making itself come out. That you might be able to hide the appearance on the outside, but the true person on the inside, the true sinner on the inside will always be revealed and death will always have a way of coming and finding you. But unlike Dorian, and unlike the tragedy of that message, God came and he provided a way for us, church, to in some ways be like that picture where instead of the sins of our life are put onto ourselves, we get to put the sins of our life on who? On Christ. And Christ, in His mercy and in His grace, bears our sins, holds our sins, and dies for our sins. And this is why the Advent season is so special. Because unlike Dorian, Christ is the perfect picture of love. Jesus is the perfect portrait of love. Amen? Church, the Lord wants to remind you in this season that whatever baggage you have, whatever negative things you've been holding on to that have been weighing you down, He wants to remind you during this season that He came into this world 
because he loves you. And he came into this world in order to put all that filth of our lives onto him. And the wonderful thing is, is that in doing that, we become whole. And his love is made great through the act that he commits on the cross. Martin Luther wrote these words, Christ is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even puts them in his family tree. Now if the Lord does that here, so ought we to despise no one but put ourselves right in the middle of the fight for sinners and help them. You see, while Jesus is the perfect portrait of love, he's also calling us to be the portrait of love into other people's lives. I'll share one more story with you. You know, just yesterday, my, my, uh, my wife and I, we've been just kind of uh, enveloped in packing chaos. And, I mean, if you come to our house, if you, it's, it's a combination of doing this as you try to walk around and navigate yourself. I mean, we have a dryer literally in the middle of our hallway and boxes stacked up all the way to the ceiling and kids, you know, still running around and living in chaos. It is a mess. But over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been watching uh, this series called The Chosen, and I'm sure some of you have heard of it and watched it. It's my first time watching it. I have a confession to make. Most Christian film out there uh, it hasn't done it for me, but this, on the other hand, is excellent, and it's so well done, and I strongly recommend anybody um, to watch it for yourself. Well, we were watching it last night, and my wife told me as we were watching it, she said, because Jesus was hugging somebody on the show, she said to me, I want a Jesus hug. <laughs> and, you know, don't we all want a Jesus hug? And really cheesy, I looked at her and I said, well, Jesus is in me and I'll give you a hug. And I leaned over and I hugged my wife. And as cheesy as that moment was, I want to remind you, church, that it's still true. That Jesus came in this world to be a portrait, to be a picture of God's love and to demonstrate his love to us. But he's also calling each and every single one of you to also be that portrait, to also be that picture of his love to those that are around us. Don't let this Christmas season go by without you making a difference in somebody's life and being able to show them a picture, a portrait of God's love. Amen.